0: Now, this is the point and part of the series on the biblical family that men think that they've been waiting for. Leadership, headship, being the boss. I could just hear them telling me, Steve, tell them who's in charge. Tell them. This is
1: the point. It sounds to me like Pastor Steve is about to set our wives straight at last, doesn't it? But if you've been listening over the past few weeks, you can probably guess that he isn't done with the husbands just yet. In a moment, we'll hear the rest of Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff's lesson for today. First, I want to welcome you to Verse by Verse. It's an expository teaching program that takes us verse by verse through the Bible. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel has been teaching a series of messages on the biblical family. Lakeside Community Chapel is located in Clearwater, Florida, midway between U.S. 19 and the beach on Sunset Point Road. If you're ever in the area, we would love to meet you. Today we are airing the first half of Pastor Steve's second message on the responsibilities of the husband. He has a lot to share with us today, so let's get back to the class. Here's Pastor Steve.
0: Last week, I learned the difference between meddling and preaching. That's right. That's right. Before I spoke last Sunday, someone asked me if I was going to preach or meddle. And I said, well, what's the difference? And, uh, and this person said, well, preaching is when it's directed at others. Meddling is when it's directed at me. And so, based on this definition, I think that our series on the biblical family probably falls under the category of meddling. Because there are a lot of things that we're saying that obviously have to hurt because we're learning and growing. And this is how God stretches us. And uh, there are things that just that just hurt. Uh, In fact, you won't benefit from this series. And I said this at the outset of it. If you apply it to somebody else. You say, yeah, that's right, they need to do that. It only will benefit you if you say, that's me and I'm either doing a good job in that area or else I'm failing miserably in that area and I need to do something about it. If you are hurting, that's good. It's good because what that means is that there are areas that God wants to address in in our lives. So uh, there is a difference, by the way, between harming us and hurting us. God will never harm us. He will always, whatever He does, He will do for our benefit. But sometimes we have to be hurt before we will benefit from what God is, is doing. For example, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. You don't need to turn there. Let me just read this to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, will tell us about the discipline of God. And discipline is not just spanking. It's, it's the whole total picture of child raising and instruction. And so when you see discipline, think of instruction. You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good. That is, God disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. That's what this is all about. God disciplines us that we might repent of our sin and we might share in his holiness. And then he says, the writer says, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. Why? Because it hurts. That's what he's saying. It's not a thing we say, this is great, this is fun. It hurts. He says, but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So the whole purpose in in God hurting us through conviction and through showing us our failures, the whole purpose is to make us more like Him, is to make us more holy and, and righteous in our living. So perhaps a more biblical expression than meddling, though I like that term is discipline, instruction, child-rearing, and that's what this this whole series is about. Now, the issue is not really how much it hurts, but what you do with that hurt. So the issue is not, oh, that hurts. The issue is, oh, that hurts. What am I going to do about that hurt? And you can do a number of things. Number one, you can just forget about it. You can do nothing about it. You can go out of here and go go and have a meal and uh, go to the fireworks display tonight and do nothing about it. And each week you can do that. You have that choice. Number two, you can rationalize it away and pretend it doesn't apply to you. It's for everybody else. It's for your relatives. It's for your friends. It's for those who are sitting around you. It's for other people. It's not you. You're not that bad. Uh, The other option is you can face these truths with honesty and integrity and repent and confess your sin and change your attitudes and behavior. And that's obviously the goal of this. And that's obviously what God wants to do in our lives. Now, last week, we meddled in the lives of the husbands as we looked at two responsibilities that God says is theirs. First of all, we said that a husband is a learner. Responsibility number one is he is to be a learner. First Peter 3.7 says that, husband, you are to dwell with your wives according to knowledge. And I and I made that very profound statement last week that uh, a husband doesn't understand his wife naturally because he's a man, not a woman. And I mentioned about that, that uh, the amazing thing is that you pay me to make profound statements like that. And somebody came to the back and said, we want a rebate on your salary. It's amazing. So I've got to be careful about those statements. But uh, but. A husband is to be a learner. He is to understand his wife so he can appreciate what she goes through. And then he will know how to best meet her needs. Now, I also gave the illustration about uh, a husband ought to walk in his wife's shoes in the sense that he ought to let his wife go out and uh, he takes care of the kids and the diapers. And somebody recently told me that that uh, a more appropriate illustration would be not diapers, but do the dishes. See, because diapers are temporary. Dishes are forever. So, men, a word to the wise and to myself as well. We ought to do something with the dishes and not drop them, but do something with the dishes so that we understand what our wives go go through. Secondly, we said a husband has the responsibility to be a lover. Uh. From Ephesians chapter 5, we learn that that the Apostle Paul said that husbands are to love their wives in two ways. They are to love them as they take care of their own bodies. They nourish their bodies. They they cherish their bodies. Unless you have some mental illness, uh, you naturally, men, take care of yourself. That is the normal thing to do. In fact, some of us pamper ourselves. We are to take care of our wives and care for them the way we take care of our own bodies because the Bible in Genesis says that when we get married, we become one with our wives. We are of one flesh, and that's more than physical. And so, we are to love our wives as we love our own bodies. Secondly, we are to love as Jesus Christ loves the church. And how does he love the church? We suggested that there are a number of ways, unconditionally, no strings attached. We don't wait for her to be the kind of person that she ought to be. We love her regardless of whether she responds to our love. Secondly, we are to sacrifice, as Christ sacrificed for the church. We are to give of ourselves, something that costs us. And also, we are to love in an unmistakable fashion. She ought not to be wondering, do we really love her? But... She ought to know that we love her because we tell her that and we show her that. Now, this morning, we want to continue our meddling and look at one more responsibility of a husband. And that is a husband is to be a leader. He's to be, yes, a learner, a lover, but also a leader. Now, this is the point and part of the series on the biblical family that men think that they've been waiting for. Leadership, headship, being the boss. I could just hear them telling me, Steve, tell them who's in charge. Tell them. This is the point. But take it from me, men, this isn't the part you've been waiting for. No, it really isn't. You think it is, but it isn't. And the reason you think it is, is because many Christian men have a distorted view of what headship and leadership Really means there is there is a great deal of difference in the uh, typical interpretation of what a Christian man has concerning leadership and what God's word says about leadership. Now, the Bible definitely tells husbands that they are the heads and leaders of their wives. There's no question about that, at least not in anyone's mind who takes the Bible in its normal language. For example, and you might want to write some of these Verses down. I'm sure the men will have no problem writing these down. They probably have already asked for the pen, ladies, uh, so you don't even have to nudge them on this one. Ephesians 5:23 says, "For the husband is the head of the wife." It's very clear. It's very clear. The husband is the head of the wife. Uh, some other verses. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of, of Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 3 speaks about the qualifications for an elder and the qualifications for a deacon and one of the qualifications for those men in leadership in the church is that they are to be leaders of their their wives and their families and and that would not in, or I should put it this way, that would include more than than children in those days. It would be servants, it would be uh, household stewardship, and anything that would come under the, the realm of the home. But First Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 says, He must be one who manages his own household well. That would be leadership, keeping his children under control with all dignity. For if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? So, um, if elders are to be examples to the other men, then all the men ought to have that as a standard and goal, leadership in the home. Also, verse 12 speaks about deacons, says, let deacons be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own household. So two leaders in the church, male leaders in the church, are are told that they need to have the qualities of leadership in their home. So there's no question that a husband is to lead his wife and family. But what does that actually mean? And how do you implement this? We've tried to make this series, I've tried to make it very, very practical and not uh, theoretical. I want you to have answers to, to questions and issues. This is really not that difficult to figure out what it means to be a leader to a wife. It's not that difficult at all because the Apostle Paul explained it to us very clearly in Ephesians 5. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. This is not pie in the sky, this is not theory. We're going to see something very, very clear. And as I read verses 22 through 33, I want you to notice the analogy that Paul is making. This is not difficult. You don't need a seminary degree to understand this. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For, here's the reason, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He Himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, notice the analogy there, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ, notice the analogy, also loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, that He might present to Himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy And blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. For we are members of his body. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself. Let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. Now, the analogy is, is rather simple. It's, it's not deep. The wife is commanded to respond to her husband like the church is to respond to Christ. So the wife is to be like the church and the church is to respond to Christ in a submissive way and lord willing next week we'll we'll look at that and see what that means and the husband in this analogy is to treat his wife like Jesus treats the church now that's the analogy that's that's not hard to understand husband's role is to be like Christ the wife's role is to be like the church so as the husband is to be like the is to be the head and the leader of his wife in the same manner that Jesus Christ is the head and leader of the church that's pretty clear that's pretty direct There ought to be no major problems with that. God has given husbands the authority to lead their wives, but here's where it becomes sticky. With authority comes responsibility. Big word. With authority comes responsibility. And it becomes... uh, This is where we get into meddling. See, This is close to meddling. In fact, it's into meddling because many husbands, many Christian husbands, and mark this well, they love the fact that they have a position of authority over their wives. They enjoy giving the final word and knowing that their wives are supposed to submit to them. But, they don't do one thing when it comes to responsibility for being their wife's leader. Now, that is the real issue. It is not the position of authority. It is the responsibilities that come with being a leader. See, they love, there are Christian men who love to, to throw in their wives' face that they are to submit. But they refuse to lead. Listen, I've seen it. I've had men tell me, tell my wife, submit to me. When you have to do that, you're, you're no leader. If you are a leader, you are a learner, a lover, and a leader, you don't have to tell your wife to submit. No Christian woman in her right mind would not want to submit to a man like this. So we want to look at the responsibilities of being a leader. So following the analogy of Ephesians 5, if we can understand and discern and discover Christ's headship and leadership over the church, then we can discover how we, gentlemen, as Christian husbands, ought to lead our wives. That's, that's it. If we can learn that, then we'll figure out how to be a leader to so the woman that we're married to, how did Jesus Christ, not how, how did he, but how does he also lead his church? Mark this down. The overriding truth and principle is this. He is a servant and not a dictator. He is a servant. He is not a dictator. This is new to a lot of Christian men. I know that. But it ought not to be because Jesus said it very clearly years ago that a leader is foremost a servant. Let's look at that in Matthew chapter 20. Rather humorous portion of scripture, uh, at least to us, because we weren't there. I don't think it was that humorous to those who were there. But it does seem humorous to us now. Because in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, it says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, So these two boys got Mama to go to the Lord. They came to him with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And this, by the way, would would be his mother's sister. So it'd be an aunt. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. In other words, at the throne, I want one to have uh, I want one to have the best place of authority next to you. And I want. The other to have the second best place of authority next to you. But Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And, and the cup is suffering. And they said to him, we're able. And he said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left. This is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant at the two brothers. And the reason they were indignant is because they didn't get to Jesus first and ask him for this. That's, that's the reason. But Jesus called them to himself. And the reason he lectured them is because he knew that this was a problem with all the disciples, not just two renegade disciples. He called them to himself and, and he said, You know that the ruler of the Gentiles lorded over them. The rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your what? Servants, your servants. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What are we what do we learn from this? What do we learn from this? it's true he's not talking about husband and wives, but he is talking about leadership, and so the principle applies. To be your wife's leader means that you are her servant men. That's what it means. Not her dictator, you are her servant She doesn't exist to meet your needs, you are to live to meet her needs. Now, isn't that revolutionary? Thank you, Todd. Okay. (laughs) You have been given the responsibility to meet her needs. If you have been ruling over your wife with an ironclad fist, insisting that you are the head of the home and she is to submit to you, then you are acting like a pagan. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. He said, You're acting like a pagan. Pagan dictators boss people around. Servants don't do that. Pagan rulers give orders to people under them. Servants don't do that. Pagan leaders insist on getting their way, and servants don't do that. See, here's here's the attitude you ought to have, and this is very, very helpful. I think there's a tendency in in most Christian men who are married and have a family at home, when, when they're through with work at the end of the day, their attitude often is, I'm leaving work to go home where I can relax. And what they really mean is that when I get home, I don't want responsibilities. But their attitude needs to be, I'm leaving work to go home to work. I'm leaving this job to go home to another job. Because when you walk through the door, your work has just begun with your family in the the sense of being physically there. I'm going home from work to minister to my wife and family. That's a whole change of attitude from uh, the way many men look at their families. Listen, you are not to be like a pagan in insisting that your wife do whatever you want. That is not the way that Jesus Christ leads the church. Does he cram anything down his bride's throat? Has he ever crammed anything down your throat? Is he kind of ruthless to you and brusque and, and, and abrupt? Does he bark out orders to his beloved church? Does he push his authoritative weight around and say, hey, I'm the king, you do what I say. That's not his attitude. No, he lives as he died to serve our needs. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Not the dictator of the body. He is the Savior, which means he's the serving Savior who died for our sins to meet our greatest needs. Men, we are supposed to be the biggest servants in our families. I want to give you something that, that will help. If you look back at Ephesians 5, verse 18, I think this verse unfolds Ephesians, or is the key to understand, to understanding uh, this passage of scripture, Ephesians five eighteen says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. In other words, do not let wine control you, but you let the spirit of God control you. And how does the spirit of God control us? It is through the word of God. How else is he going to do it? This isn't some mystical command, which is just for a few deeply spiritual people. This is a command for all of us. In fact, in the Greek language, it is be filled and keep on being filled. So any Christian and every Christian husband ought to be obedient to this or else he's in sin. How do you how do you stay filled with the spirit? How are you controlled by the Holy Spirit? How do you know if you're under the spirit's control? Because this Bible, this word comes from the spirit of God. If you obey it, you're under his control. If you don't obey it, you're under your own control. It's as simple as that.
1: Thanks, Pastor Steve. Those are some excellent insights on authority in the marriage. Even in the world, management experts recognize that there are basically two kinds of authority. One is positional authority. That is the authority I might have over someone due to my position. It flows from the top down, and it places an obligation on my wife or my workplace subordinates to follow my leadership. And they usually follow it, but only as far as is absolutely necessary to get through life. Now the other, much superior kind of authority is relational authority. That authority goes up the so-called chain of command and is given because you or I have generated respect to the degree that people will follow our leadership because they choose to trust us. That is the kind of authority God wants us to have over our wives, a relational authority, freely given as a sign of her respect and trust. Now, Pastor Steve will finish with this message on the role of the husband in our next lesson. But if you would like to hear this message again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org, or you can call our offices for a CD. The phone number is 727 727- 727 Four four one one seven one four. Once more, the website is versebyverseradio.org, and the phone number is 727-441-1714. If you call, please leave your name and number, and someone will return your call during normal office hours. Verse by verse is a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. We hope you can join us again next class for the conclusion of part two of Steve Kreloff's two-message lesson, The Husband's Responsibilities.